Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. couple weeks, we have been in a series called A Better Way. Y'all say A Better Way. And we've been looking at the verse, right? Like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone wants to come to the Father, they have to go through me. And we've been talking about how we, we talk about the truth of Jesus a lot, but we don't really talk about the way that Jesus Lived And so the first week, uh, if you want to check it out, you can go to our podcast, go to our website, go to the app, go to YouTube, search oasistn.church, you'll find it. I would encourage you to start from the beginning. If this is your first time here in a while, or maybe you miss a couple weeks, like get that app, get the, the podcast and listen to it. I think it's going to encourage you. But we mainly, the first week, we talked about the problem that most of us feel. Like th- that most of us, we, we're becoming people that we don't even really like. We're in a hurry all the time. We don't have time for anything, right? And then last week, Pastor Stephanie talked about uh, what do you do when you're too busy for what matters most? Like, what do you do when you're too busy for what matters most? And she, she helped us understand that you will always make time for what you care about. You'll always make time for what you care about. So what do you do when you're too busy for what matters most? And then she gave us this challenge and she gave us like these little cards. Did any of y'all take one of those cards and put it somewhere this week, right? Uh, I saw it on some fridges when we went over to people's houses this week. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. I haven't said that. I hope you'll have fun. Uh, but she gave us this and it had a little prayer on it. And the prayer said this. It said, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience, experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And I hope that you guys prayed that at least once this week. God, especially going into Thanksgiving where you were forced to be around family and uh, maybe you got into a little argument at the dinner table or maybe you're, you're being around family just drained the life out of you and you were so busy dreading being away from your family that you've missed the moments that God was giving you. And so maybe you asked, like, God, just help me to walk slowly enough to experience you fully and to love people, even my family, deeply, right? Like, help me to do this. And we talked about how Jesus invites us to, to, to yoke up with him and to go at his pace. And so today, we're gonna continue that story, and we're gonna continue this sermon series. But here's what I wanna do, all right? I know y'all just sat down, but I wanna do something a little different. I'm gonna ask you to stand in this place. Everyone stand up. And I wanna start here today. And I want to ask you a question. All right, I want to ask you a question. How many of you are here? Sounds like a dumb question, but I want you to think about it. Not just in the building, not just physically here in this space, but you're actually here. You're present in the moment right now. If you're here, say, I'm here. Come on, if you're here, say, I'm here. It's okay. Welcome. I'm honored you'd be here. All right, I really am. And uh, there were there have been times when we when we first started this church that there was nobody here. Right? There was there was no one physically in the building, and I wasn't there like mentally in the building most of the time. And there were times that I wanted to be anywhere else but here. But God's been gracious to us, and He's been here every time. He's been fully present every time. 
And I love it when we're all here because when we're here, it's not so that we can say, man, our church is growing and it's exciting. Like, I love all that. But when you're here, you can experience God in a deeper way. When you choose, I'm going to be here, you can experience God in a deeper way. And that's what I want from you. There's something special when a group of people are here. Something begins to change when a group of people are here. If you're here, say, I'm here. Unfortunately, some of you won't be here for long. You'll still be in the building. I'm not trying to talk any like disaster is going to happen during the next few minutes, but you'll be in the building, but something will take you from here. You'll get a text message uh, that you'll look at. Uh, you'll check the score of a game. You'll, you'll figure out where you're going to eat. And something will take you, and God forbid, you'll start a text message while you're here, all right? But some of you will check your Instagram. You'll think about all the things you have to do this week. You'll think about where you're gonna eat after church. Students in the room, you're worried about that test you have to take this week at school. You're wondering, how am I gonna pay these bills? What's my marriage gonna look like? You're wondering, what's that person a couple rows of me wearing? Their perfume smells terrible, right? Like you're, something will take you away from here. Whatever it is, it'll take you away from here. And even though you won't be here for long, I'm glad you're here right now. So remain standing. All right, we're almost done. I want to read you a portion of scripture. And I want you to think about this for a second. And it was Jesus' first miracle. It happened at a wedding, a celebration where there were a lot of people enjoying the moment. And in fact, they were enjoying the moment so much, they drank all the wine. I mean, and like the people that were in charge of the wedding, that was like egregious. You would, it would be mortifying for you to run out of wine at a wedding at this time. And uh, they ran out of wine and they were embarrassed. And all of a sudden, Jesus's mom comes to him and says, hey, you need to do something about this. And he was like, he, he was almost reluctant. He was like, all right, I'll do it. And so he gets a bunch of servants around and they fill up uh, huge jars. They're about 20 or 30 gallons each. And he filled them up with water and the servants did exactly what Jesus said. And they drew water out of the jars and they took it to the master of the banquet or like the wedding planner. And it says this in John chapter two, they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants had drawn the water, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But listen to this. I always used to think it said, but you save the best till last. That's not what he says. He says, but you saved the best wine until now. Y'all say now. Title this message today, your best days are now. Your best days are now. Jesus, we come to you in this place. We're here. Help us remain here today. Help us understand that our best days are now. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a seat for me. One of the most striking qualities about Jesus was that he was always fully present. He was always fully present. How many of you have ever tried to talk to your spouse or your significant other and they are not fully present? Come on, just out them right now. Raise your hand. 
Stephanie would be raising both. Because if I'm reading something, she'll tell you this. If I'm reading or typing, and, you know, women's brains are way better than ours. I'll, I'll admit it, all right? You're smarter than we are, but you can be doing 17 things at the same time and still under... I, I'm very... I'm like a waffle. I'm very compartmentalized, right? Like I got... If I'm doing one thing, I can't be doing another. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't. And uh, it's a miracle that I can play and sing the, gu- play the guitar and sing at the same time. Uh, but I just, I'm telling you, if I'm reading something, if I'm on my phone, if I'm watching something and I'm dialed in, and if I'm, you could, I mean, an explosion could happen in our house and I would not know, right? Like, but Jesus, he was always engaged in the moment, like he was always in the moment. That dude, he, he was always there. The person in front of him was always the most important thing. And it's truly amazing. That's one of the most amazing things that Jesus ever did. And we don't really talk about that a whole lot. But he was always available for people. He was always open to be interrupted. He was always in the moment. And so I want to talk to you about two back-to-back stories in the Bible that shows Jesus being in the moment. And these stories take place around the city of Jericho. Y'all say Jericho. Jericho is a famous, famous city in the Bible. It was the one, if y'all, any VeggieTales fans in here? Come on. Josh and the big wall, y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, they walk around like the Israelites, they walk around the city of Jericho. It was the first city that they had to conquer whenever they went into the promised land. And God gave them some really weird instructions. He said, walk around the wall one time a day for six days. Don't make a sound. Don't say anything. So all of the Israelites would go and they'd walk around this city and they looked like a bunch of idiots. And if you watch the VeggieTales, they were throwing purple slushies on them, right? And they were singing the song and doing all that. I'm sure that's accurate to the Bible, you know. But they, they, they did all this stuff. And on the seventh day, they had to walk around the city 12 times. And these walls were huge. And then God gave him even more weird instructions. He said, I want you to blast. The worship leaders are going to play their horns. And I want you guys to yell as loud as you can. And they're thinking, what? Like, that's, that's what you want us to do? Okay. They walk around seven times. Worship leaders blast their, hump, their horns. And all of a sudden, everyone yells, and the walls fall flat. Like, the, the, they didn't say the walls crumbled. They fell flat. Like, they walked in on flat walls. And that's how they captured Jericho. And over the years, they, they, the wall, they rebuilt the walls, and the walls came down again, and then rebuilt the walls again. And so Jesus is walking into this walled city. He's walking into the city. It's city of Jericho. And there are huge crowds of people around Jesus. Anywhere Jesus went, he, they had, had huge crowds of people around him, thousands, hundreds. Uh, I mean, anyone that, I mean, think about it. Jesus was going from place to place place, he would teach and it would be so captivating. And you'd be like, man, there's just something about him that like, I I can't take my eyes off of. And then he would heal people. He would like a person that you've seen your whole life that couldn't walk. He would pick them up and he would say, you can walk. And they would walk. And it was amazing to see the miracles that Jesus did. And so everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. Everybody wanted his attention and everybody was fighting for Jesus's attention. And there was one guy on the way to Jericho that he was a blind beggar. His name was Bartimaeus. Y'all say Bartimaeus with me. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Like, please, just have mercy on me. And you got to remember, there are hundreds and hundreds of people around Jesus right now. And the disciples who were like Jesus's posse, they were making sure that like nobody bothered Jesus, that nobody like came up. Like they were like his secret service, if you will. And uh, they were some big, like 
big dudes, right? They, they had manual labor jobs back then. They were probably a little intimidating. And so this blind guy comes up to Jesus and he says, have mercy on me. And the disciples are like, oh no, he's not. And they step in front of this blind guy and they're like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna talk to Jesus right now. He's, he's got some place he's gotta be. He's, the, he, they were in a hurry for Jesus. And all of a sudden Jesus looks at them and he rebukes the, the, the disciples and says, what are y'all doing? Let this guy come to me. And so Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and Jesus asks him this question. What do you want me to do for you? Which is kind of a dumb question, right? Like you would look at that and go, what do you think he wants? My brother wants to see, right? And so, and the Bartimaeus tells Jesus he hasn't been able to see his whole life. And he looks at Jesus and says, or Jesus looks at him and says, your eyes are healed. And this man was able to see for the first time in his entire life. And not only did Jesus do a miracle, but he stopped for a guy that nobody had time for. He stopped for a guy that nobody had time for. He was always fully engaged with the person in front of him. Always fully engaged with the person in front of him. And the very next story, the next consecutive thing that happens in the Bible, literally that story ends, this story begins. It says this in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was, what does it say? He was passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So it says it very clearly, Jesus was passing through. Jesus had somewhere to be. He was just passing through Jericho. He was going from one place to another place and Jericho was in the middle. He had somewhere to be. And then he was interrupted a second time. The first time he's interrupted by this poor man who is blind. The second time he's interrupted by a tax collector who was very, very rich and his name was Zacchaeus. Go on, y'all know Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a... Y'all sound pitiful. We're going to try this again. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And we know this, this story, right? Because Zacchaeus, he's a short guy. He probably had little man syndrome. Like, he didn't like anyone messing with him. He probably drove a big truck, you know, lifted weights at Gold's Gym. He did all this stuff, right? Like, this was this guy. If you drive a big truck in here, I'm sorry. The biggest guy in the room drives a big truck, so you're, you're good. But he, he, uh, he, drove, he, he was this little guy, and Jesus is coming through. And even Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. So he climbs up in a sycamore tree, and as he's in the sycamore tree, Jesus comes over to him, and he looks at Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus. He basically invites himself over to lunch at Zacchaeus' house and says, hey, I'm coming to your house today and now we're going to have some lunch and we're going to talk. Here's the thing you got to know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. How many of you guys love the IRS? Okay, that's what I thought. All right, so Zacchaeus essentially was a corrupt IRS agent, okay? He, would, uh, he was in charge of getting your money and paying the taxes to the government. But he, well, here's what a tax collector would do. If you owed $100 to the government, he would say, 
you owe a thousand and he would take a hundred and give it to them and he would keep nine. Does that make sense? Like he was just, and they all knew this was going on and they couldn't stop him because the government didn't care because they were getting their money and they didn't care how they were getting their money as long as it was happening. So no one was stopping these people. It was essentially legalized stealing from everybody. And so you got to think this dude was making 900 bucks a pop on everybody in here and you hated people like this. You think you hate the IRS now. My gosh, I mean, tax collectors were way worse. And so, and so he was hosing people all the time. And this is how he has built his wealth. And everybody knows Zacchaeus. He's the little man that steals my money. That's what, that's just what he was. And you didn't like him, but Jesus was passing through the town. He had somewhere to be. And he had a crowd of people. He had a crowd so big around him that Zacchaeus had to climb in a tree. He climbs in a tree. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to come to your house today. And everybody around was going, What? You're going to that dude's house? You're going to eat that dude's food? Do you know how he bought that house? Do you know how he got that food? Do you know how he bought that expensive truck he wears? Do you know how he forged that gym membership over there? It's off of our backs. He doesn't work for it. Like he just steals money from us. And so people are talking. People are like, I cannot believe Jesus is doing this. Well, Jesus, he goes over there and he stops for this no good sinner this person that nobody wanted to have anything to do with, Jesus stops. And don't forget, he doesn't have time to get lunch. He's on his way somewhere. He's just passing through Jericho. And he stops and he gives this person his full attention. He says, Zacchaeus, come into your house. He goes to his house and he starts to talk with him. And Zacchaeus has a deep moment of repentance. You can almost hear it. And he bursts out and he says, okay, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor and I'll repay, any, I'll repay anyone four times the amount that I stole. That's what he says. And Jesus looks at him and he says this. He says, today, in this moment, right now, salvation has come to your home. Jesus had an undivided attention in the moment. And he stops and he gives people one of the greatest gifts that he can give, his attention. I want to be like that. I want to be like a person that gives people their full attention. Unfortunately, I am horrible at this. I am not always like that. I want to be where my feet are. I, I, I don't want to live just for the happy moments and the powerful moments. Like I don't want to be there just for that. I, I even want to be present in the annoying moments. And here's what I know. I wonder, I, I, I wonder how many people in this room are living through annoying moments in life right now. You're living through annoying moments in life right now. I remember when we were first having kids, um, I would find myself so annoyed with the state of our house at all times. Does anyone in here have kids and you're like, my house will never be clean again? Does anyone ever feel that way? Be honest, I, I struggled with that big time. When we were having kids, I'm like, I swear five minutes ago, this house was spotless and now it looks like we were in an earthquake. I have no idea what's going on and it would drive me crazy. Bedtime was a disaster. Every night, it was a big surprise to our kids that, oh wait, I gotta go to bed tonight again? Like, yes, every day, you gotta go to bed. Like, it was just a surprise. And it was awful. And uh, in particular, one of our kids, I'm not going to say their name because I have to give them $5 if I do. This one would cry 
And they would not sleep. I'm having such a hard time not saying a pronoun right now. They would have such a hard time going to sleep. And, I, and to this day, this kid does not sleep. They don't require it. I, like they will sleep three hours and they'll be fine. And, but it's gotten way better. And now our kids don't come out as much at night. You know, they'll, they'll think of every reason in the book. Like my pinky finger looks weird, dad. I'm thirsty, dad. I'm a little hungry, dad. It's a little cold, dad. Uh, what stuffed animal do you want me to use, Dad? I mean, they'll come out for any reason, and they used to do this all the time, like 40 times a night. And then we'd wake up, and they would come out of the room again, and it would just all start over, over and over again. And I would be so annoyed. But then I blinked. And now my kids, for the most part, they go to bed without any problems. They rarely come out. Our house can kind of stay clean if we want it to, right? Like, they can pick up. Like, things changed. And I wonder how many of us in this room are complaining today about moments that you'll miss tomorrow. How many of us are complaining today about moments that we're going to miss in the future? You still here? If you're here, say I'm here. Odds would tell us that I've lost some of you. All right, so I've lost some of you since the message started. In fact, Harvard did a study and they said this. They said that 47% of the time, 47% of the time, almost half, we'll call it half, all right? Half the time, people's minds are not in the same place that their feet are. 47%, 47% of the time, when you're at work, you're not really at work. Uh, when you're driving, your mind is somewhere else. When you're talking to someone at the gym, you're not there. Uh, when you're having a conversation in the lobby at church, you're not there. When your spouse is talking to you, you're not there. When your kids are talking to you, you're not really there. When you're watching a movie, your mind is somewhere else. Almost half of our waking life, our mind isn't fully engaged where the rest of our body is. That's insane if you really think about it. And uh, in fact, one of the biggest, biggest distractions in your life is this thing right here. Everyone raise your cell phone up for me. Come on, get it out, hold it up. Hold it up, hold it up. Look at all these phones. If you got an Android, put it away. We don't want to see that. All right, put, put, your, put, your iPhone, put your phone up in the air. Now listen to this. Hold your phone up. I want you to listen to this. The average cell phone user, and I just tricked you into taking one of these, touches their phone 2,617 times a day. A day. 2,600 times a day. A day, okay? That means you're checking the news, you're checking the score, you're checking for likes, you're scrolling on TikTok, on Instagram. How many of you have done this on Instagram or TikTok and you're just watching reels, you're watching things on TikTok and all of a sudden you're like, it's been an hour and a half. You've touched your phone 4,800 times right there, right? Like uh, you're, you're, you're playing a game. You're playing, candy. listen, some of y'all still play Candy Crush. I'm not gonna judge you, but you're playing the game, right? You're seeing what that buzz was. You're looking at Facebook. You're reading the conspiracy article, right? You're going to that dating app. You're checking your investments. You're ignoring that FaceTime or that call, right? And, and that's just the average, 2,600 times, just the average. But some of you are so great, you're above average, right? Like you're just, you go above and beyond on everything. Extreme users in the top 10% touch their phone more than 5,400 times a day. I wonder if this thing is playing a part in us being absent from where our feet are half of, the, half of our lives. 
If it's not this, maybe for some of you in here, you have a lot more discipline than most of us, and that's not you. But instead, uh, you play mind games. I play this game all the time. I call it the win-then game. The win-then game. When I blank, then I can blank. Man, when I'm in high school, middle school isn't here, I'll finally be happy. Like when I'm finally out of middle school and I'm in high school, I'll be happy. Oh, when I get my driver's license, I'll be free. I'll be so happy. When I go to college, when I pay off my student loans, right? When I get a real job, when I get married, when I have children, when they aren't in diapers, right? When I get that better house, when we go on that better vacation, right? When we aren't so busy with the kids driving them everywhere, when our kids are finally out of the house. Listen, so many of us are going through life playing the win-then game and you're wishing away the current moment that one day, you're going to miss. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Quit wishing away things that are happening right now in front of you. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. He didn't play the win-then game. Oh, when, when these disciples finally get their act together, then I can really start ministry. Oh, gosh, whenever uh, you know, I can leave this wedding, I can, you know, whatever it is. Like, he wasn't doing that. But if you're not playing the win-then game, you're playing the what-if game. Gosh, what if I don't pass that test? What if it takes me while I get my driver's license? What if the doctor gives me bad news? Uh, what if I don't get a job right out of school? What if I can't get that degree? What if I can't afford to go back to college? What if the economy takes a downturn? What if COVID hits our family again? What if we can't afford that house? What if I never find a spouse? What if, what if, and all of a sudden you find yourself worrying away the present. The Bible says this, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry. Don't play the word what if game, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Listen, Jesus isn't telling you not to plan for the future. He's just telling you not to worry about it. You can plan for the future. Don't worry about the future. But some of us, we're missing the present moment because we're playing the what if game. What if she breaks up with me? Ooh, what if, what if my kids like, aren't good at what I was good at? What if my kid's weird? Like, what if this, you know, what if uh, we, what if I lose my job? Like, what if, what if, what if, what if, and all of a sudden you're wishing away these present moments worried about the future? Let me ask you again. Are you still here? Are you here? It's important to be present in the moment. That's why I had you stand up earlier. I wanted you just to be locked in for a second. And we might be distracted by stupid stuff. That might be the reason why we don't enjoy the present moment. But here's what I think it is. Really, I think it's a lack of faith. I really do. It's a lack of faith. The only way, listen to me, the only way to be present in the moment is to surrender the past you can't change and trust God with a future you can't control. That's the only way. If you want to be present in the moment, you have to surrender the past that you can't change, and you have to trust God with a future that you can't 
control. God redeems your past. Listen, if you're in here and you're worried about your past and you're a believer in Jesus, God has taken care of that. He's redeemed your past. And if you're in here, God tells us that he has a bright future for you. You don't have to worry about the future. It's out of your control anyway. God has a bright future for you. You can only be fully engaged in the present moment if you find yourself in this place where you've surrendered your past and you've trusted God with a future you can't control. It says this in James chapter 4. It says, come now. Y'all say now. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Listen to me. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. You're a mist. You're only here for this time right here. Have you ever breathed on your glasses before to clean them off and realize how quickly that breath just goes away? That's how fast your life is. And so many of us are wishing it away on worrying about tomorrow or hoping to get to the next phase of life. And the image that really helps me understand this idea is this hourglass right here. And these are interesting to me I want you to think about your, your life being like this hourglass. And the fact is, is that no one knows how much sand's on top. And a lot of people think that they have a lot more sand on top than they do. But you, have, you don't have to know how much uh, their sand is on top. And, and the fact is, you can't stop the sand from flowing. There's nothing I can do right now other than breaking this hourglass to stop the sand from going from the top to the bottom. And the third thing I know about hourglasses is once the sand's in the bottom, you can't get it back on top. Once it's on the bottom, it's down there. And you can't reverse it. And our lives are like this. And we don't know how much time we got. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen to us next year. We have no idea. All we know is right now, in this moment. And some of us are wasting away the precious little time we have. Worrying, you're wasting it away, wishing that the stage you're in was over. Uh, you're, you're, you're not embracing the annoying part of your life, but your life is like this hourglass. And at some point, the hourglass is gonna run out. Your life, it's gonna run out. But here's what the Bible says, Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the moment the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy in the present moment. I'm not going to wish away the moments I have right now. I'm not going to wish away the annoying things that I find with my family or my kids. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to cherish this stuff because one day I'm going to miss it. Still here? Here's what you can't do. Listen, you can't be happy where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't love people where you're not. The most important moment is the moment right now. Right now. The most important person is the person in front of you. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the person that you find yourself interacting with right now. I've spent so much of my life, you've spent so much of your life chasing big moments, but I'm beginning to realize that the most powerful moments 
are the small moments. It's the moments leading up to that that matter. It's not the big time moments. It's not the promotion. It's not, it's not that stuff. That stuff is fleeting. It goes away. And we oftentimes we, we focus on those big moments and we miss the small ones. But the small, ones are, the small moments are the ones that we need to cherish. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Just don't do it. With Jesus, people were not interruptions. They weren't inconveniences. They were moments and opportunities to show the goodness of God. But how many of us view other people as interruptions? How many of us view other people as, as inconveniences? Listen, I want you to know I'm not perfect at this. And if you're close to me, you probably really realize it. My brain goes everywhere. Uh, and I don't do well with it most of the time, but I, I, it's hard for me to be in the moment. I'm a, if y'all are Enneagram people, I'm a seven. I love the next shiny thing. I'm like, ooh, look, what's that? Oh, look, over here. And I'm just, that's how I live my life. I like it. But it's hard for me to be in the moment. And sometimes being in the moment means facing something that I don't want to face. Feeling a feeling I don't want to feel. But I've learned like, no, no, no. I want to be present in this moment. I need to, I need to feel this. I need to do this. I need to confront this. I need to, I need to be a part of this now. Forget about what's happening tomorrow, right now. But when we think about it, when we think about Jesus, if he had any time to be consumed with the self, with himself, and to take himself out of the moment, it would have been while he was on the cross, right? I mean, to think about what happened to Jesus when he was on the cross. I mean, they stripped him down naked. They beat him senseless. They flogged him with a, that would tear chunks out of his body. He could have had like internal organs hanging out of his body when he was up there. He was barely recognizable. You would look at Jesus, a person that probably had seen Jesus a million times and look at him and wouldn't even be able to recognize him after what they did to him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Then they nailed him to a cross. They put each of his hands on the cross. They nailed him there. They nailed his feet there. And the only way to breathe is to push off of those nails driven into your feet and pull up and take a breath and then get back down. And while he was hanging on the cross, there was another man next to him, a criminal, hanging on the cross too. He had also been crucified. And in that moment of Jesus trying to pull himself up just to get a breath, the criminal looks over to him and starts to have a conversation with Jesus. And if I'm Jesus, I'm thinking, hey buddy, now's not the time, right? Like, I, this sucks right now, right? Like, I, I don't have time for you right now. And listen, we don't, the criminal looks over, he starts this conversation and the whole conversation is likely not recorded. There was probably more of the conversation than what we see in the Bible. And I would imagine the criminal looked over knowing what we know about salvation and he probably said something like, hey, I've done some really bad things. He knew that Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. And he said, I know you didn't do anything wrong, but I did everything wrong. And I'm really sorry for the way that I lived. And he probably said something like that, but we know here's, he said this. He said, but today, would you remember me when you go into your kingdom today? Jesus is dying on the cross in, in agonizing pain, more pain than we could ever imagine. And in the middle of his suffering, in the worst and most painful moment of his life, Jesus is fully engaged with the criminal next to him. People were not inconveniences. There weren't interruptions. There were opportunity to show the goodness of God.
And he looks at him and he says, today, you'll be with me in paradise today. Today. And I think God sent me to tell you today that your best days are now. Everyone look at me. Your best days are now. Not when you get your dream job. They're not when you can leave the job you're at now. They're not when you graduate school. They're not when you find a spouse. They're not when your kids are a little older. They're, 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 they're not any other time than now. Your best days are now. You can experience God's grace now. You can experience his mercy now. You can experience his forgiveness now. You can experience freedom now. Your best days are now, right now. What would happen if we started to live our lives like this? Like we believe that, like our best days are right now. And we stopped wishing away the future. We stopped worrying away the future. So here's the takeaway today. What do you do? And here's my challenge to you this week. Be aware of your present moment and enjoy it. That doesn't mean everything that you do in the present moment is enjoyable, but it can be enjoyed. And understand, hey, my best days are not ahead of me. My best days are right now. My best days are not when I'm on vacation. No, my best days are now. And I wanted to bring this message to you before Christmas season really starts, even though it technically can't start now that it's after Thanksgiving. But the Christmas season, we're so busy doing so much stuff, going to parties, being with family, figuring out what we got to get our kids for Christmas, wrapping them, putting up the decorations, remembering to move the objects in your house that have magical powers that move and they're elves, right? Like your best days are now. Don't miss those. But we'll miss them because we're so worried about stuff that doesn't matter. But my challenge to you is, hey, be aware of your present moment and enjoy it. Enjoy it and see how your life begins to change because that's how you're gonna move at the pace that Jesus moved. Be aware of the moment you're in, enjoy it. When you're at lunch after this, at your house or out at a restaurant, enjoy it. Leave your phone in your pocket. Take off social media off your phone. Let's stop scrolling on that stuff. Let's be present. Get, get a controller and play the switch with your kids. And I had an opportunity to, to live this out this week because I knew what I was preaching on. And you know what we did? We took three days off, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you know what me and the kids did? We beat Super Mario Brothers, baby. And it was awesome. And you know what? Our kids couldn't give a crap. I'm sorry about the setup and tear down of this church that I'm always thinking about. You know what they care about? My dad sat down and played the switch with me. And remember that time we beat Mario, how awesome it was? The last hit on Bowser was epic. I mean, we were screaming. I had an adrenaline rush. The kids were going crazy. And then you know what? Ruben went away and he made awards for everybody afterwards on this piece of paper. It was awesome. I would have missed it, guys. I would have been working on the dumb app and the website. I would have been writing this message, which thankfully I was already done with at this point. But like, it's so easy to miss stuff like that. Never would have had that. Never would have had it. What moments are you missing out on that you you can reclaim this week? Think about it. And get in your kid's world. Get in your family's world. When was the last time you and your spouse connected? Like, 
went to dinner or after the kids go to bed, you just sat and like just talked, connected. Hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? What can I help you with? When's the last time you were present in the moment, not just vegging from a long day with the kids? What are we missing when we're not in the moment? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. We're wrapping up here. I told you I'd be done when this was a little over halfway. I did it. All right, everybody. For some of you, uh, I believe that God's moving in your heart right now. And uh, you've been thinking, man, I got to get back into church. Man, I got to get serious about my, my walk with Jesus. Man, I got I to gotta figure this whole thing out. And let me just tell you, the best time to do that, guess what? It's now. Don't put it off anymore. Man, make church a priority. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, guess what? Right now, we're about to do that. And let's not put it off and let's decide. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live for God now. I'm going to start coming to church now. I'm going to, I'm going to give my life to Jesus right now. And if you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never done that before, I want to invite you to do that right now. And on the count of three, if you're like, man, Clint, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today, I just want to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want to be able to see you so I know who we're praying for today. And then I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to right now give your life to Jesus. Come on, on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand. Thank you. All right, you can put it down. God, and if that's you, you can repeat this prayer for me. Say, God. I need you. I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I thank you for coming back to life. I recognize that I've made some mistakes in my life. And I invite you into my life today. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand for the decision that people made today.